Life, whether you like it or not, happens to everyone. We don't get to choose our testimony, but we are called to share the journey. Hi, everybody. I'm BJ Foster, and this is Withholding Nothing, a podcast for the soul. Let's do this thing. In this week's episode, meet Susan Dininger, a grief recovery method specialist who found her calling, her ministry, after watching her faith and grief collide, fighting to reconcile the goodness of God against the painful everyday punches of loss. She found herself following a distorted God. After years of wandering through the maze of suffering, she finally accepted that grief is normal and that grief does not make sense. We call this episode, Grief is Not a Sin, Withholding Nothing, a podcast for the soul. Hi. Hey, you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, yeah, super busy. So thank you for <laughs> make this happen. I'm 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 excited. <laughs> and I was excited to get this in. We've been going in circles, trying and trying. So amen. It was meant to be on President's Day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How's the family? Um, they're doing really good. Uh we moved um I know it's been a minute since we talked we yeah. moved um so we're still in the Austin area but right. a little further in the outskirts but we love it um right. just a little further out in the country and and stuff and uh yeah it's it's been good I mean the last few years have been a whirlwind like for probably everybody um <laughs> you know right but but we're in a really good place now oh, and good. I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. I, I really am grateful and honored to be here. So thank you. And, <laughs> and I also feel honored just to share like what God has done in my life because I want, you know, to bring him glory with my life and he's done a lot like in all of our lives. Right. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Susie, I'm just going to hand it over to you. Honestly, like I said, it's just any direction that the hand of God has moved. So I'm just going to let you share, introduce yourself to the audience and then just, you know, take us into your journey. Oh, thank you. Thank you, BJ. Um, well, my name is Susan Dininger, uh, and I'm very grateful to be with you guys today uh, to share a little bit about what God has done in my life. And whew, that's a big topic. Like, where do you even begin with that one, right? Um, uh, and, and I think there are a few things that are really on my heart that I wanted to share. And, um, I think one of the through lines through the whole story, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, is that even when, you know, I have felt totally alone or felt like giving up hope or, you know, whatever the case may be, those times of, darkness those times that are the most challenging I think that's when 
I don't know if God showed up the most, <laughs> but I could definitely like feel him, see him, mm-hmm. know him better mm-hmm. in those times. And so that's kind of what I wanted to share. I mean, there's so many happy, joyful, bright spots, and I don't right. want to neglect those, but I feel like people sometimes really need to hear the hard times because I think they're relatable. And Mm -hmm. just the last few years, you know, I I don't know a single person who hasn't experienced grief or loss. And, and that can really make us struggle, you know, in our faith or struggle with our understanding of who God is. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, does he still love me through these times? Does he Mm. still believe in me? Is he still with me? Is he still walking with me? Mm. Um, and what I've seen is like an emphatic yes. Yes. Even if it feels quite the opposite, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, it is an emphatic yes. So I think going back um, <laughs> a long time. So so I remember even um, just kind of briefly sharing on this because there's lots that I would like to talk about. But, um, you know, even when I was before I was a Christian, right? I had tried a lot of things. I was searching really for what God's will was, um, but I was very lonely. I was very confused. I didn't know where to turn. You know, I, I even looked into various religions. I mean, all kinds of things, right? And then at one point, I just got to a point through circumstances where I felt really kind of broken and humbled and just reached out to God and begged him, God, please, like, show me what your will is. Because even if it's not what I want, right? I, I know that whatever you want for me is going to be better. Mm-hmm. And that was a scary thing to pray, mm-hmm. right? But I was at that point of realizing like, yeah, my way is not working. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, and I prayed that every day, like for a year and a year later, I found myself studying the Bible and I remember, you know, even learning in the Bible, what it means to be a Christian, Mm -hmm. um, what the Bible says, because I'd never really studied it before, you know, just breaking down crying because all of a sudden I'm like, God's answering my prayer. Like he's showing me, this is it. This is what his will is. This is what I'm meant to do. And, and it was life-changing. It was completely transformative and it it gave me a purpose and it gave me hope and it gave me a focus. Um, And, you know, and for so long, I think I was sort of on this high, you know, (laughs) spiritually speaking Mm -hmm. until I wasn't right. And life happens to us all. (laughs) Um, And, you know, there was just a series of, of challenges, like, um, you know, definitely getting my heart broken and health challenges that some of them have been chronic throughout my life. And those have been great teachers that, you know, I would happily get rid of at any point, but they've taught me a lot. Um, But I think it just led, you know, various things happening and but I never questioned God I never really struggled with my faith um even through a lot of hardships and challenges until um my sister Julie died Mm. 
And that rocked my world. That just was devastating. And I remember feeling like, you know, when my sister died, like I felt like a part of my heart died with her. And I didn't know how to get that back. And I didn't know how to be the same person anymore. Like, I felt like I had nothing to give. Mm -hmm. I had no more love. Like, I just, I was broken. Yeah. Right. And then it did um, lead me to question God. It did. I was like, wait, wait, wait a second. You know, if you're so loving and kind and good and all these things, then how could this have happened? Like I couldn't reconcile mm-hmm. those two things. It didn't make any sense to me. Right. And I was trying to make sense of it, but I've learned a lot since then. And, you know, grief doesn't make sense. It just doesn't, you know, grief is emotional. It's not intellectual. Um, And I think so often we try to use intellectual or even spiritual tools to deal with grief and loss. And it's simply not the right tools. It's not the right fit. You know, it doesn't work. But the more I tried to wrestle with all these things and didn't know where to turn and didn't know what to do, the more lost I felt, the more alone I felt, the more I felt like something was really wrong with me. Hmm. And it wasn't until much later that I learned like, no, nothing was wrong with me. Right. right. It was normal. Right. It was natural. We just haven't really been taught, mm-hmm. you know, even spiritually. I think a lot of times we haven't really been taught like how to deal with, you know, the major losses in our lives, the major grief events. And so I kind of, you know, went in this downward spiral for a while, just struggling and um externally trying to continue to do all the things that I was doing but but internally still kind of really broken yeah right and struggling and and so it wasn't until many years later um you know and that journey like took me to a lot of places but but many years later a good friend uh told me about you know his brother had died and we were talking once he told me about um, the grief recovery method mm-hmm. and, you know, I was super skeptical and kind of blew it off for about a year. Like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had tried, you know, Christian, you know, counselors. I had talked to, you know, my various ministry leaders. I had like kind of searched all the different avenues and was right. coming up empty, you know, and I was begging God, like, you have to help me. Like I I'm barely hanging on here by a thread, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to like throw me a lifeline. And so it wasn't until about a year later, um, where again, I was just not doing well. I was not in a good place. I think I would, I just, you know, was struggling, um, that sort of as a last resort, uh, I went through the grief recovery method and, it completely changed my life. It gave me back that piece of my heart that I thought was gone forever that died with my sister. And I felt God used that. I know profoundly, I know that Mm -hmm. to heal my heart. And in that process, it actually strengthened my faith. 
Right. Where before, I think I was sort of looking at God through this veil of pain, mm. right? So God was being distorted and warped. Mm. And I was just not really trusting him because of the pain, right? right? Like, if you love me, then how could you let this happen? That kind of thing. Yeah. And And so when I got on the other side of the pain and the grief of losing my sister... It really did. It helped me see God again. And, you know, there's no words for that, really. There's just none. Right. Um, but I'm so, so, so grateful. And so because of that, um, you know, a lot of times when we have these profound life changes, just like we want to shout on the mountaintop and tell the world about it, like um, I decided to be a, a grief recovery you know, method specialist, which I'd already had a degree in psychology. So it wasn't that much of a stretch. I always right. had a heart for people, wanted to help people. And, um, and I've been doing that for now for 20 years, which is kind of wow. crazy. And, uh, and it's just been this incredible honor and privilege. Mm -hmm. It's been quite a ride. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like God equipped me for even more loss and more grief events in, in the future as well. Right. Right. And so being able to walk with people through their grief and loss events strengthened like my own tools. Mm -hmm. And later that definitely came in play with, you know, BJ, you know, all about this one too, but uh, with the birth of my daughter, so um, my husband and I, we went on our, you know, little baby moon, right? Um, you know, our, <laughs> our vacation before our first child was born and um, got the all, you know, all clear from my OBGYN. And I was about six months pregnant at the time. And we went to Cancun, Mexico. Um, we were there for about a day and a half. And I don't want to get too graphic on this podcast because, you know, <laughs> I want to be sensitive to other people. But um, yeah, in the middle of the night, I woke up um, to blood everywhere. Mm. And we're in Mexico. I don't speak Spanish. Like it was completely terrifying. Wow. And, you know, I didn't even know what to think. And uh, my poor husband, like he, he was phenomenal, truly just such a hero, you know, mm -hmm. through all of that. But, you know, um, it ended up uh, that I had a placental abruption, right? And um, I didn't even know what that was at the time, but found out later, you know, it's one of the most dangerous things that could happen to someone when they're pregnant. And right. And it could even kill both the mo mother and the baby. Um, and so they did an emergency C-section. I mean, it's just a whole long story. Like I remember even once before the C-section, getting a hold of my um, OB in the States and just, you know, so relieved to just be able to talk to a familiar voice. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, and he's like, well, it sounds like they're doing everything that I would have done. And it sounds like you're in great hands. They're taking really good care of you. The only thing I would say is don't get a transfusion mm -hmm. because you don't know, like, you just don't know what their procedures are. Right. Like, okay. 
Well, within 24 hours, I was getting a transfusion um, because I had become dangerously anemic, very, very dangerously anemic. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of that transfusion is when the placental abruption happened. So it was an emergency. Um, I don't know all this story. I don't know everything that happened. I don't think I ever will, but we both almost died. Um, But we didn't. Mm-hmm. So, um, and my daughter, you know, she lived, I mean, it was quite a roller coaster ride for months, like three months, really not knowing if she was going to live or die. Yeah. Um, it was terrifying. It was like magical. Like I'll never forget the first time I got to hold her mm-hmm. in the NICU. Like it's one of the best days of my entire life. I, I could cry right now thinking about it. Um, it was such a crazy, crazy journey. And at one point, I remember just sitting, um, once I was released from the hospital, sitting on this bed, just breaking down, sobbing, like, God, wait, what are you doing? And I named my daughter after my sister. So her name is Juliana. And I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. And she was born on Memorial Day. Like, is that a coincidence? Well, think not, right? Um, God did all these things. But, and then I realized like, God, I, you know, I just wrestled and I'm like, God, please don't take my daughter. Please don't take my daughter. I can't, I can't go through this again. I can't take that. I'm not strong enough. I won't make it like I can't. And thank God he didn't. And, and we have a happy ending to the story. My daughter is now 16, which is (laughs) crazy. Um, and you know, she was at risk for everything. Yeah. She she was one pound, 10 ounces when she was born, one pound, 10 ounces, like the size of my hand. Yes. So crazy. And she is perfectly healthy. Like she is just miracle upon miracle. And one of the most pure hearted, joyful, loving people. Like, I just feel so honored and grateful to, to be her mom. Um, seriously. And, uh, And it was later that I realized God brought me back to that place. Like I'm sure to teach me a million things and, and others too. Um, But I realized there were parts of my heart that hadn't yet been healed completely Mm -hmm. with the death of my sister. Mm -hmm. And I think God somehow, and I don't, I can't understand or explain this completely, but I almost needed to go back to that place of like, life and death right and then see god work right yeah to feel those deeper parts of my heart yeah um and so it was a gift it was a gift she is absolutely a gift mm-hmm. but even that journey which i never would have wanted i mean who would right um but it was also a gift, you know? I call them just, oh, I love it. I, I was there. I, I, I'm i getting yeah. feels now. I remember <laughs> when we received the call and we were, we just all as a ministry fell on our knees and just started praying because the odds against it surviving was right. so great. And I remember when we got that first photo and the baby was in, I don't know, your hand or Joseph's hand. Literally, she was in the palm of his hand. And I was like, oh my gosh. But 
as you're speaking, it takes me back to, I say this often to, to my listening audience, sometimes God has to return us to the site in which we lost sight of his hand mm. so that we can reclaim his hand again. So wow. as you're talking about Julie, you know, this is where I lost sight of God's hand. And I went into that, you, you said, veil of pain. Mm -hmm. I love that we will go into this veil of pain and we can't quite see his hand anymore. And right. then God simply returned you back to where you lost sight of his hand so you can grab onto it again. Mm -hmm. And then he continues your journey. So, oh, I love that, BJ. <laughs> Thank you for, for putting it so beautifully. Yeah, I think it's true. You know, it's true, but it's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and at the time it doesn't feel like it's beautiful right you know, at all and you know but absolutely it is mm -hmm. you know and and um and there's you know there's been so much since then too like um you know uh my dad you know died in in 2011 my mom died recently yeah. in in 2020 in the midst of covid not from covid Mm -hmm. um you know and and again it's just so hard but I think um I was a different person then yeah and so it affected me differently like I I can't explain that either I think just as we journey with God he he changes us he transforms us mm -hmm. right and it's still incredibly painful I'm not trying to minimize any of that but even with my mom's death, which, you know, I don't get me wrong. Like I miss my sister. I miss my parents every day. And yeah. it's also a very strange feeling to have like your entire family of origin mm. be gone. Like, I, yeah, there's no words for that. There should be a word, but there's not a word for that. Um, but even in that, like, when my mom died, I think because God had walked me through so much and taught me so much, like, you know, it was oddly beautiful. And we were able to have her in our home for the last three weeks that she lived on hospice. And, you know, there was nothing left unsaid between us. Right. You know, And it was this beautiful thing where I was able to like, take care of her and pamper her and spoil her even. And, create great memories and moments with my kids and all this stuff which is priceless mm -hmm. you know and so when she died it was still a huge loss and devastating but but there was also a strange peace about it mm -hmm. um you know too and and a beauty and I think that was a gift also yeah. you know that God gave because definitely the other losses in my life didn't didn't feel that way right so uh, yeah I love the way you said that BJ um I think it's so true and you know when we're in the middle of the storm we think that's all there is and and we don't know no we just have to journey through right right and God's not done like we hear that all the time like God's not finished with us yet there's more to the story mm-hmm you know, mm -hmm. there's so much beauty ahead, but we just can't possibly see it because we're blinded by the storm, you know? Right. Um, and I look at my life now and, and it's just crazy. Like, I feel like, how did I get here? <laughs> like, 
Well, I'm married to this phenomenal man. I have two beautiful children. I had another child after my daughter and, you know, healthy full term, the whole mm-hmm. thing, my, my son, David, and, um, you know, we, we have this amazing life and, and I love what I get to do yeah. for work. I, I love being able to walk with people. I feel like I get to use the hardest, most painful things in my life to give others hope. Yeah. And what could be greater, you know? Right. Um, so I, yeah, I'm so grateful to God. He's just so good. So good. And, and I definitely see that he doesn't waste anything either. Mm-hmm. Like all these things we go through in our lives there, they are for a reason. Yeah. And God uses it all. Yeah. Yeah. I call it, he turns our misery into our ministry, mm. you know? So all of the things you're talking about, all the pain and all the suffering and the, the fog, and I don't know what to think. And God has turned that into your ministry so that like you're saying, you can now help guide someone else through it. Yeah. You know, God is never, he, he's not wasteful. Yes. You know, I always tell people, God is not just wasting, you know, his time and our time by allowing us to go through hard times. Whatever it is we go through, he is going to use it for the good of someone else. We may not see the good in our situation in the right. moment. That's usually hindsight. Let me look back on it. But someone else, like I said, this podcast has become a lifeline for so many because mm-hmm. if someone else is going through what you've already survived it gives them hope absolutely yeah yeah and i think people need that so much like we need hope yeah especially when we're you know going through those times like we need to know like it isn't the end of the story and god's not done and he is with you and even if it doesn't feel like it you know, I, I think, um, I always didn't like that scripture. (laughs) God, God disciplines those he loves. And I'm like, well, maybe you don't have to love me quite so much. (laughs) Um, you know, but now that too, like I see the beauty in it. Yeah. I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't see God the way I do now. Mm-hmm. Right. I wouldn't have the tools um, to be able to help others. Right. You know, even, even my own children. Yeah. Right. I'm able to help them in a different way um, because of it all. And, and uh, it's, yeah, it's incredibly beautiful. You know, God's plan, like his will is perfect. Right. right. It doesn't feel like that a lot of times, but I think we just need to trust and hold on. I love what you said about holding his hand, like, and, and letting go. And he doesn't let go of us. Like, mm-hmm. I think we, we might let go of him. Right. We feel like we're just flying about flailing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No idea what's going on, but he's got us the whole time. Right. Right. Yeah. I love, and I'm, I'm going to use this a lot when you said, you know, God was distorted. He was distorted by the pain. And I think there is, there's a great freedom that comes when we can say God was distorted. God wasn't clear right. at this moment in my life. And therefore I was grabbing onto any and everything I could find. I think we go through a period of time in which we're not honest. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's almost like if I say that it's blasphemous, or if I say that I'm not a strong Christian, if I, I'm going, but it's honest. Oh, it, totally. To get to a point in which we can be honest about where we are with God, you know, it helps us to see there are times in which things are, bl we're blinded. Mm -hmm. God is still there. We just can't see him. And that's where we have to trust. Okay. I'm just going to keep groping in the dark, God, until I find your hand. I know mm -hmm. it's there. I'm just distorted right now. So, so many times we give up in the distortion. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and I see that too, a lot, even, you know, in the work that I do, I think mm -hmm. so often all the different, I mean, cause you know, grief and loss, like it's so much more than death. I've obviously talked about death. I've talked about the birth of my daughter, but you know, there's abuse, there's, you yeah. know, there's job loss, there's loss of a dream or, or hopes, there's, you know, divorce, there's, you know, loss of faith. Mm -hmm. There's so many different things, so many different losses people can go through. And, um, and it's profound for everyone, right, right, at the at the time that they're going through it. And, and I think that, you know, it is scary. Like, I think C.S. Lewis even said that, like, I never knew that grief felt so much like fear, mm. you know, it, it it's so scary. And we think we're so alone and we think we're the only ones who possibly feel the way we feel. Right. And not true. Like no one may know exactly how we feel about our certain losses or, or our grief because it's unique to us, but we're not alone at all. Like grief is normal. Grief is natural. And it's like, common to the human experience mm. right but we don't think it is and we think something's wrong with us so we learn to lie and we learn to hide it and we learn to stuff it mm -hmm. because we get all these messages about like being strong or not feeling the way we feel right right and and so much more and and so we think like oh yeah it's not it's not okay for me to feel bad right now you know, and, and so we do, we aren't honest, but we have to be honest. We have to be. That is like step number one, you know, <laughs> like I tell people all the time, like tell the truth about yourself all the time. That is key. It is mm -hmm. essential, mm -hmm. right? We can't get emotionally complete with things that we're not being honest about, even with ourselves. Yeah. You know, and so that's, you know, the very first step. Wow. But I think we also have to find those people who are going to be that safe place for us mm -hmm. to hear us and not try to fix us or judge us or change us. Right. And BJ, I do want to take this moment to say thank you, because I think you in my life have always been that for me mm. at times that, you know, I almost felt like that was a, a unknown commodity. <laughs> you know, you have right. always and and I just thank you for the bottom of my, of my heart I even told my husband once like if I'm ever really struggling or going through a really really hard time you have to find BJ wherever she is in the world <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think again you know sorry it's just you know because you've gone through a lot too right Right. That's so heartwarming. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I was going to actually brings me to my question. I was going to ask because you're doing this pretty much professionally helping people through grief. How has we, and not just our church, but churches in general, how have we navigated 
through this territory of grief. I remember even early on having people go outside of church to get counseling was such a no-no. So to have people say, I'm grieving, it was, again, like you were saying, you you would always get, be strong, just Mm -hmm. get into your scripture. How are we as as Christians in general dealing? Hopefully we're dealing better. I don't know. But what have you seen as you've been working with people trying to overcome grief? That's such a good question, and I'm really glad you asked it. Um, you know, it varies wildly, mm. as you can imagine. Um, I, I'm i now in a position that is humbling, but I'm so grateful where I'm actually an international trainer of grief recovery specialists, and I also am one of, you know, three people who support specialists all around the world. Well, so I kind of hear it all. Um, and so I have had many, you know, uh, ministers, chaplains, like mm-hmm. of all kinds of religions, you know, right. all different faiths um, in some of my training sometimes or or reach out to me because they want to know how to help their particular, you know, congregation or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, and it's really interesting because I think part of it, too, is us again, trying at times to use the wrong tools, mm-hmm. right? We we are so trained as a society to use our intellect mm-hmm. to try to deal with everything pretty much. Um, but you can't use the head to heal the heart. Mm. You have to heal with the heart directly, right? right? And so, and I remember trying that myself with my sister and right. getting more and more and more frustrated, right? Um, but likewise, I think sometimes even um, the use of scripture, even though absolutely it is the truth, absolutely all the answers are there. I'm not, you know, discounting that at all. Right. Sometimes I think scripture can be misused. Yeah. Right. And it can become oppressive where people no longer feel like they can be honest because they're being preached at, right, rather Mm -hmm. than heard. And rather than listen to, and I think the best thing we can do for anyone who's grieving is listen with our heart, right? Not our head, right? Not searching for the next scripture to kind of quote at them, (laughs) but really listen with our heart and love them unconditionally because grief is not a sin, right? It's not right. In Genesis, God grieved that he made man because of all the sin that they were in, right? Later, Jesus grieved. He wept at the grave of Lazarus. So it is not a sin. But I think sometimes we almost treat it as if it is or can, like as if someone is somehow sinful, if they feel bad about something bad happening in their life. But why is that wrong? It's Mm -hmm. human. You know, I think, you know, we don't tell people, oh, you shouldn't feel happy when something happened that, you know, <laughs> happens. But so often we do. We're like, oh, don't feel bad. Like, it's all good. You know, like we right. want to paint everything with this rosy picture. And so I think, you know, I think sometimes we've just been trained incorrectly, yeah. honestly, um, with a lot of misinformation about, you know, dealing with, with grief and loss and, and everyone's trying their best. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But a lot of what is taught, most of what is taught is, you know, incorrect tools. 
Right. You know, that leave people feeling more alone and more lost and more hurt, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, you know, a lot of people go through the grief recovery method and really have their eyes be opened. Right. You know, um, and even, you know, people like you mentioned it before, we we grasp onto anything like, you know, we we have this misinformation and that's not working. Like we're trying to be strong, but that's not working. We're giving it time, but time doesn't heal and all <laughs> these other things. Right. And so then we can turn in desperation mm-hmm. to, um, you know, short term energy relieving behaviors like drugs and alcohol, like you know, um, you know, different addictions, whatever those might be. And, you know, and then it's just kind of compounding the issue. And then that becomes the focus, but at the root, it's unresolved grief. And I think sometimes we can focus on these external behaviors, but not trace that to the heart. Right. What was behind that behavior? Right. What was going on deeper, right? That led to that, Mm -hmm. you know? think a lot of times too it's because people don't know how to do that yeah you know it's a missing it's a missing piece wow well I think oh this is so good thank you I think so much I I agree with everything you're saying I think from a minister's point of view Mm -hmm. that takes too much time Mm. which is sad it is sad it's sad but I believe that is what keeps us from going the distance we're so busy trying to move the organization that we leave behind the person. Right. You know, but Jesus never did that. Exactly. Exactly. So, and he spoke about, you know, the good shepherd, right. And, and so many other things. And I think that I, I, and I don't know, like I've not been in the ministry, so I can't imagine the pressure. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine, you know, and it varies wildly, I'm sure, from from place to place. So I can't speak, you know, to that and 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 wrestling with all that. And I imagine too, there's even a certain amount of burnout where right. you can only help so many people. You can only deal with so many things, right? You're spread so thin. Um, you know, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, like looking at Jesus, looking at his heart, how did he deal with the weak? How did he deal with the hurting and those that were grieving? He dropped everything. Yeah. Right. And he met them where they were at. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's going back when you said misinterpretation of scriptures, you know, we have seen that scripture and we've looked at that as well, go out and reach out to as many people as you possibly can. Yeah, that's part of it. But I think absolutely he was about, let me go and connect to this person's heart. What do you need mm-hmm. in order for me to remove the distortion? You know, right. and I, I think the, I, I love my life, Susie. I love where God has me right now because I feel like I'm simply helping people to remove the distortion so mm-hmm. they can better see God. You know, and I believe that's what ministry is. That's what ministry should be. But I think we've kind of gotten lost. Not everyone, general, obviously general. <laughs> but okay. I think we've, we've gotten lost in the interpretation. Mm-hmm. And we've left the heart behind at, at times. And this is God, I think, calling us all back to the heart of the matter. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. And I think at the end of the day, it's it's love. Yeah. Right. Like, 
you know, we are called to love as Jesus loved. And what does that look like? What does that mean? Right. You know, it's not getting caught up in our agendas and the busyness. My goodness, our world is so busy and so crazy. And I mean, you know, it took a long time for us even to get things <laughs> happening. We're both so busy. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, like we can let everything become this distraction and focus right. on all our to-dos and and miss what's most important and most essential. Mm-hmm. You know? And that is loving someone and, and loving them how we would want to be loved. Right. And right. It, it is sad. It is sad. And I think with, you know, the increase of wickedness in the world, the increase of, of grief in the world, the increase of uh, just all that we're going through right now right. as a society, as a world, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to slow down. It's hard to be intentional. Mm-hmm. It's hard to even love enough right to choose to go there with someone yeah and it has to be a choice right it's not easy it's not just going to happen yeah yes this is i'm going to sum it up because we could go on forever this is beautiful (laughs) i was just doing a study with my women um, thursday night and i was telling them about i'm learning the pace of grace Mm. you know and uh, we were talking about the fact that jesus walked everywhere Here's a man who only had three years to get a whole lot accomplished, right? He had a lot to do. He was, quote unquote, busy, right? yet he walked everywhere. And I asked, why do you think that is? He moved at a pace so that we could actually catch up to him. Wow. He could have gone faster, but it was more important that we could catch up to him. So he moved at a pace of grace so that we could connect to him. And then I talked about how the one time he wasn't walking, he was on a donkey, which is a walking animal. So again, <laughs> he moves at a pace so that we can all reach him. The woman with the issue of bleeding would never, with all of her ailments and all of the crowd in front of her, would never have been able to get to him had he not chosen to slow down for her. And as I hear your story, so much of your life's journey, God has put you in a position to slow down for those who many others won't slow down for. They're grieving, they're hurting, and a lot of people don't understand it. You can't rush through it, Mm -hmm. but they need someone who's willing to slow down for me so that I can catch up. That's all I need. And that's the beauty, I think, of the work that you're doing. my son inspired a book many, many years ago um, <laughs> because as he was struggling with just anxiety, trying to keep up with the pace. And this is as a little one, he's in third, fourth grade, and he just couldn't quite keep up, you know, with the pace of school. And in my own frustration, come on, you can do this. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. You're brilliant. You, and I, you know what? And he just said at one point, slow down for me, mommy. And it just convicted my heart, Susie. I think it changed my outlook of life Mm. from that point on because I had to ask myself, who are you trying to get him to speed up for? Mm. Great question. You know, and I I was trying to 
get him to keep up with the world. Mm -hmm. You've got to keep up with what the appearance of the world tells us we're supposed to be, as opposed to my slowing down for you. And he's done great. He's a phenomenal man now. But that was a life lesson for me, just to hear this little tiny voice say, slow down for me, mommy. Yeah. And it's like, okay, God, you just spoke through this child and changed my life from this point on. So I, I thank you for going through all that you've gone through and slowing down for other people who are also going through it. For not just you, but for somebody else. So I, oh, girl, <laughs> heart is warm. <laughs> I love you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And and actually, I, you know, just, I know you need to wrap this up. And we don't have to. We got time, girl. <laughs> if, um, you know, if people are hurting and they don't know where to turn, I, I would recommend, you know, checking out the Grief Recovery Handbook. Mm -hmm. Um by John James and Russell Friedman, because it is unique. It's the only evidence-based grief program that exists. Right. Um, so I think, you know, it can really, I, I remember picking it up, reading it and just being like, oh, I'm not alone. Oh, it, this is normal, right? It was so reassuring and so comforting. But in addition to that, it made me think of it with what you just shared, BJ, um, with your son. I think children, have gone through so much yeah, and are grieving a lot. I think more than we even realize, right? Well, there's a program helping children with loss based on this uh, When Children Grieve book. Mm. And so, you know, for those who are listening, if, if you're going through a lot, if your children are going through a lot, I just would encourage you to check that out too, because I think that is a tool to be able to help us right. as parents to slow down right to meet our children where they're at to really listen mm -hmm. right to set aside our agendas and our like well, all the shoulds right well you should this and you should this and <laughs> da, da, da. I'm, I've totally done that too um you know but to really meet them where they're at and love them you know through that and and give them hope yeah I will make sure the listening audience will understand where they can turn. They know the books to go to, are there websites, anything that they can find? Oh, absolutely. There's, there's uh, the Grief Recovery Institute website is, you know, www.griefrecoverymethod.com. Okay. Um, you know, and uh, if they want to speak with me personally, I have my own, you know, uh, microsite on there, just Susan Denninger, and and there's a, a link to book a, a call. Mm -hmm. So if they have questions or, or want to talk further or need referrals or, you know, anyway, I can be of service. I'm happy to. So beautiful. So very helpful. Who knew? I thought we were just going to be chatting. <laughs> Didn't know I was going to get a whole life lesson. <laughs> No, this is wonderful. And yes, tell Joseph, he has my phone number or he should. If ever you need me, he knows how to reach me. Thank you, honey. Thank you. Hey, so I have much. to confess before we get off of here, when you popped on the screen, I saw your mom's beautiful face. I oh. love and adore. I felt like I was an extension. Your mom was an extension of my family. I was an extension of hers. So yeah. when you popped on, I was like, oh. oh. Your mom was not just a love and a joy for you. She was for me as well. So. Thank, Thank you. you. I remember, I remember that time she was in your, your D group and 
I think you're doing first principles or something. And mm -hmm. yeah, and she loved you so yeah. much. And thank you for loving her. Yeah. Thank you. All right, girl. Well, I love you. Please give my love to your family. And like I said, we're going to be out there in March. So I look forward to seeing you. Yeah, please, please um, let me know what, you know, what your plans are. And and yeah, I would love, love, love to see you, please. All right. You know, it's a done deal. Okay. I love you, girl. Bye-bye. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week, everybody. Thank you so much for your time. Always, I say thank you for joining me. It has been a pleasure to hear testimony shared this week, and we will be back next week for another incredible life story. Please check out my website, enoughasyouare.com. You can find all my books and all of my writings there. I appreciate again your time. I pray that God will be with you. And until next week, be on the lookout for the hand of God. Go ahead, Dave. Play us out.